Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. We are experienced moms to a combined total of 19 children. In our weekly episodes, we explore relatable topics using our perspectives of humor and chaos. Tune in for advice and encouragement to gain more joy in your parenting journey. Hey friends, today's episode is sponsored by Let's Make Art, our favorite new website for doing all the artistic things. This is such an amazing website. Bonnie and I have just spent about hmm, half an hour going through everything they have from their subscription boxes to their tutorials and their shop. Yes, I cannot wait to take a look at some of these tutorials. They include things like art journaling, beautiful, watercolor, lettering, an entire section for kids projects, and then additional special projects like holiday themed art. Okay, so I'm looking at this watercolor subscription box right now. It is so gorgeous. It comes with four watercolor projects, the tutorial videos to go along with them, watercolor paint, paper, outlines, graphite paper, basically everything you need except brushes. And the reason the brushes don't come in it is because everybody needs a brushes just for themselves. Yes, totally. Especially if you have little kids around, they're going to be stealing your supplies. <laughs> We're going to drop a link to Let's Make Art in our show notes, so be sure to check them out. And we have a discount code for 20% off, so you can get this amazing content for even less. Be sure to check out Let's Make Art today. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode. Today we are going to talk about something that Audrey and I have very, should we say very little or very much experience with? <laughs> Maybe both. And that is stillness, finding stillness in life. So I guess we should say it comes very unnaturally to us, but we have a lot of experience in making it happen because there's a lot of chaos at our house. But who, could, who couldn't use more calm and quiet in your life, right? Oh, yes, exactly. Um, hey, before we get started, we wanted to remind you guys that one way you can support the podcast is by leaving us a review on iTunes please. <laughs> we know there's so many of you out there listening and we appreciate every listener. And we would also love if you could help us grow the podcast and you do that through leaving a review on the podcast app. I call it iTunes, but it's just the podcast app now. And it's really simple to do. If you want to know more about how to do it, step-by-step -step instructions, we have that in a highlight on our Instagram profile. But anyway, it helps other people find the podcast because whenever reviews are left, that pops us up when people search for mom podcast or whatever they happen to be searching for that applies to us. So please and thank you support the podcast by leaving a review. Yes, totally. And it gives us some social proof, right? Like when, when's the last time you bought something on Amazon that didn't have any reviews? Never. I'm not going to be the, I'm not going to be the schmuck to take a chance on this product, right? No, you pick the one that has 3,000 four or five star reviews, right? So that's what um, lets people know that there's some social proof out there. There's some people that love us. So thank you so much for listening and for supporting us. Okay. So um, like I mentioned, if there's one word that doesn't describe Audrey's and my lives right now, it's probably still or quiet. <laughs> We mentioned that a lot. One thing we tell a younger self, our younger selves about having many children's children's many children would be prepare for the noise. It's yeah. just very noisy, right? So yeah. because of that, I think that we are probably more um, adept at finding the stillness and we have had to work hard for it. Um, and we know how essential it is because we will go absolutely bonkers if we don't create some quiet in our lives. Yes, that is so true. One thing I have said so many times through the years is somebody who's as noise averse as I am should never have had nine children. 
<laughs> too little, too late. <laughs> oh, it's very easy to go absolutely crazy when surrounded by many littles. Your body, your mind gets overwhelmed. Sensory overloads sets in. I Even we have a, an episode planned about sensory processing disorder because that is something that I have had my entire life. And so somebody with my um, <laughs> resume should never have had a noisy <laughs> your, batch of Your mental here. resume. <laughs> no, I know. So um, as much as we need to find stillness for us, our kids need to learn this too. And um, that helps not only us get stillness, but there's advantages in them learning to be still as well. So we're going to talk through both of those parts of stillness today. Yeah, and we chose to start with kids because if your kids can't learn to be still and quiet, then you're never going to get any quiet. So uh, let's start with the let's start with the cause of the problem here, and then we'll work on ourselves as well, right? Um, it's so important for kids to learn to be still and learn to be quiet. And a few benefits that we researched and and found were. Um, being alone with their thoughts. So this is something that adults and children suffer with alike in today's modern age. There's just stimulus coming at us from every direction 24 seven, right? Do you remember back when you were a kid, Audrey, and after about 11 o'clock, that 11 o'clock episode of MASH, the TV just turned off. Like it was just static, just nothing. (laughs) You know, there were no TV shows on at two o'clock in the morning. So even if you chose to stay up all night watching TV, you had to put in a VCR or VCR that you had to put in a VHS tape. Like there was just not all this stuff coming at us. Right. So, so much more difficult and hard for us to find that, that quiet and stillness, um, working through our emotions. So when we have some quiet time, we're able to process the emotions that we felt and get to maybe a better place. You have to feel the emotions that come at you, right? You can't just ignore them and stuff them down in a box. So having it some time, to be alone with your emotions helps you feel them, helps you process through them and come out on the other side. Uh, make sense of all this in- sensory input all day long, right? You have to sit and, and think about it and and put things in boxes, right? If you've ever talked to somebody who um, teaches children with um, disabilities, they'll talk a lot about categories and about how your brain has to learn how to categorize things, right? And children with with certain um, developmental delays have often have problems categorizing things, right? So they don't know that May is a month. They don't know that, um, you know, a microphone is a tool. And that is what your mind is doing when it's at rest. It's like putting things in boxes, closing them up. It's like, you know, taking some effort off the RAM of your brain, right? If, If you have a billion tabs open, you can't function. And that's what happens with your brain at rest is it's able to close down some tabs and wrap some things up. Um, that's my very scientific explanation from the neuroscientist that I am. <laughs> uh, another another aspect of, of quiet and stillness, it, oftentimes it comes from separation, right? Like they'll go have some quiet time in their room. So that allows them to develop that skill of being separated from mom or dad, which some kids do not come by very naturally. Um, and then they learn the ever crucial uh, skill of Uh, learning how to meditate, how to pray, how to appeal to a higher power um, and ponder the things that are most important to them. Those are awesome benefits. We've noticed some of those too. And going back to what you said about remember, you know, when the television turned off, not having grown up with a television in my home myself, um, I really was able to see the advantages of that level of quiet or maybe that source of noise not being a part of my life and like choose that for my kids as well Um, because I saw some benefits in myself and in in them as well. So some things that we've seen is just an ability to sit still, to get into a quiet place, um, 
to be respectful in group settings and not be the kids throwing the temper tantrum or, um, you know, making the noise as we come in, like teaching them stillness and an awareness of others, awareness of life outside of themselves, outside of what's going on inside of themselves. Um, when you're quiet, you are able to not only process, like you were talking about all those things that you've seen and done inside of yourself, but you're able to have a better um openness or awareness of what's going on outside of you and um, be able to interact in a better or maybe in a more meaningful way with those things too. So those are a couple of the benefits that we have seen played out in our kids and we're definitely in favor of more of that kind of stuff, less noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it seems like these are habits and characteristics that are going to serve them for the rest of their life, right? Being able to be quiet. And, and I mean that like physically as well as just like, right. you know, out of their mouth. Right. <laughs> okay. So we, we know there's benefits, but how do we get this to happen? These crazy little wild minions that just want to jump all over the house and scream like little banshees. How do we get them to be quiet? Well, one of the first things that we've talked about many times is having regular quiet time at your house. This is something that I grew up with and I didn't realize how rare it was until I became an adult and, and I didn't know anybody who did quiet time. And that was for my mom's sanity and bless her heart for, <laughs> for making sure it happened because it was really important for her and for us to have that, that time alone. Um, one thing that I'm a big proponent of are positive timeouts. So, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but very often when you say timeout, it's like, well, you're in trouble, go to your room kind of a thing. But in my mind, when a child is overwhelmed emotionally or just too much sensory input, if they are able to go to a quiet place, they can calm themselves down. And sometimes you may have to go with them, right? Or you give them a hug and say, oh, it seems like you're very upset. Let's go lay in my bed. Let's go do something together quietly or just, you know, make it not a punishment because that's what they need to regulate their emotions. Um, soft music if necessary. So sometimes you can just change the entire um, feel of your home by turning on some calm classical music uh, or just books give them lots of books and say, Oh, now it's quiet reading time. Everyone be quiet. <laughs> Those are great, great options to teach quietness. So some, some tools that we've used is um, just giving the child a self awareness of um, like, for example, one thing I say to my kids um, when there's like four of them talking to me at one time is guys, look, look at me. I have two ears, but I can only listen to one kid at a time. I'm really sorry. You guys are going to have to take turns. So just waking them up to the awareness that there was actually, you know, four of them trying to talk to me at one mm -hmm. time. And, and even though I have two ears, only they work together. <laughs> They're a team. <laughs> uh, so teaching some self-awareness of, you know, how loud they are in comparison to others. And mm -hmm. if they're talking at the same time as somebody else, um, something you mentioned earlier that we definitely use um, as a big life tool, but stillness tool is teaching prayer to our kids. And we teach that by example, by praying out loud with them often. And then they see us praying quietly often. And they know that mommy and daddy are praying or anyone is praying that it that's a quiet time and nobody, nobody is allowed to make noise. Um, time outside is something that is a huge benefit for them. And then not just send them outside and they continue making the racket they're making in the house, but you know, you don't have to listen to it, but teaching them to listen. So I even start with this when they're babies. Um, and one parenting tip somebody blessed me with very early on was if your child is crying, whisper, 
and they, mm-hmm. they have to quiet down to be able to hear what you're saying. And so using a whisper is like a, a quieting thing to them. So um, teach, it also teaches them to listen. Like if you're, if you're whispering, they have to stop making noise to be able to listen to you. And it's not like I walk around whispering all the time. So my kids have to <laughs> shut up, but it's just one tool in my toolbox. Um, something I like is audiobooks. Like they have to be quiet when they're listening to an audiobook. That's, um, that is something that, you know, they want to hear. And so they're quiet when they do that. Another tool I have is, um, not always providing them entertainment, uh, Make, making them come up with stuff themselves, like not always providing noise or entertainment, but allowing them to reach into the, you know, kind of like you were talking about inside their brain and categorizing, coming up with things themselves. And if they're quiet for a little bit, they can always come up with something to do. And then one more example I had was, um, oh, we had, we did an art program that um, used, that was very... Um, specific in teaching that when your that your eyes use a different part of the brain than the ears and so when you are creating art you need to have it as quiet as possible no talking um no listening to you know anything but to use the eye part of your brain to create art the ear part of your brain needs to stop or at least, you know, quit working over time. So mm-hmm. we do try that during some of our art lessons. Like, remember, we're going to try to use the eye part of our brain. And so we're going to turn off the mouth and the ear part of our brain so that we can access, we can tap into that little bit more shy, quiet eye part of your brain. And you can, um, and, and we can use that. And it's really a challenge because like pretty soon they start challenging each other. Like, oh, you, you interrupted my eye part of my brain. You know, if somebody else is interrupting, <laughs> I, can't, I can't work as good when the, when my ear part is working. You're like, they'll start talking to each other. Like, shh, let's, I let's messed up because you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so great. That makes me want to do art every day. <laughs> art time. <laughs> I'm going mm. crazy. Get your paintbrushes out. <laughs> I love that you mentioned nature. You know, um, there's something about nature that just creates stillness in us. Don't you think? Yeah. When I go out for a walk, I mean, sometimes I'll bring like an audiobook or something, but sometimes I just want that peace and stillness that comes in nature, especially if I'm actually out in nature, not just walking around my neighborhood, but in the forest or the woods or along a stream or a beach or something. There's so, there's so many noises in nature, right? But they're just really beautiful, peaceful noises. It's, it's water, it's little squirrels, it's birds, it's, I don't know. There's just something unique about that. In fact, when you mentioned babies crying, I was reminded of a couple of my uh, older children had some fussy phases when they were little, little. And one thing that worked no matter how many times I tried it was taking them outside, especially when it was at night. In the middle of the night, they'd be fussing, fussing. And part of me just wanted to get them out so they wouldn't wake everybody else up. But taking them outside and all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is different. This is peaceful. Yeah. This is, you know, and it was and it was dark and it was warm and it was and these new noises. There's just something about it that calmed them down. So if it can work for babies, it's yes. gotta work for us, right? Yes. What's interesting is if you search on YouTube for calming nature sounds, there's like three hour long videos that cool. are just the sound of wind or water or, you know, something in nature, trees, rustling birds. You Maybe know? that would be something fun to put on during art time, right? So it's not perfect stillness, but it's something 
very peaceful and calming, right? Yeah, yeah. We like to even combine some of those, like do art in nature, like journaling, you know, oh, nature yeah. journaling and take yeah. take a sketchbook and go sit out in the woods and like combine some of those. It teaches an extra deep level of stillness. Yeah, and there's there's something about quiet that makes you pay attention to things you may have never seen before, right? Sometimes life is so busy and fast that you just don't have never noticed that little bird that comes and pecks at your tree right there, right? Until you're quiet for a little bit. Okay, so now we wanted to bring up um, a particular challenge for many parents, and that is when your child is supposed to be still and quiet at a particular time and place. So I personally always think of church because we go every week, and every week I'm struggling with someone who has an outburst or is being, you know, irreverent in some way or being a little bit wild, and we're trying to reteach them, okay, this is how we act. But it could also be school. I mean, if your kid goes to school and there's always outbursts, he's going to be a disruption to other children. It could be the doctor's office. You want to be able to take your five-year-old to the doctor's office without them jumping off furniture and wailing and, you know, running around. So a few things, we're going to keep keep it brief, but tell you a few of our tools for this. Um, and my number one is the preparation and training ahead of time, right? You cannot just take your child to an hour long sermon and expect them to sit there quietly, right? When even the adults are nodding off sometimes. You have to prepare <laughs> and teach them. Kate, remember on Sunday at this time, we're going to be going to our church services and this is what's expected. And this is what ex- what is acceptable and this is what is not. Um, and it takes time and it takes a lot of time and a lot of practice. Um, and, and my best, um, advice is to stay positive, to stay uplifting, but also to make sure that there are some, um, consequences for if those expectations are not kept so that they understand, Hey, when you are unruly, you make it a negative experience for everyone here. And everyone who has come to hear and to worship deserves quiet and deserves to do it, you know, how they want to do it. So, um, and then finally make sure you have appropriate expectations for each development level, right? You cannot expect a three-year-old to sit quietly for a, for an hour. Some children, some three-year-olds will, very many will not. So just, <laughs> you know, feel your child out, understand what they are capable of, and then just push them just a little bit to go a little bit farther. Can you wait a little bit longer? Can you wait five more minutes and I'll take you to the bathroom? Can we just listen for a few more minutes? You know, push them a little bit farther. Yes. Yes. We have a definite kind of method we use to help our kids learn to um, be still and quiet in a a church or or our meeting settings. And one way we do this is we start setting up a practice session, a practice situation at home. So before we even just go dump them into the situation, um, we start at home. So like we have a Bible study with our kids in the morning, most mornings, and we do require not quite as high of a level of quiet and stillness as we expect in our church situation, but a little bit, a little bit of quiet and a little bit of respect. And so, you know, preparing them for that idea ahead of time that when people are praying, when people are reading their Bibles, when people are talking about it, that's time for you to be quiet. And so, um, again, we use, like I, like I talked about earlier, we use some of the, um, the self-awareness. So when they start to act up a little bit in, when we're there, I say, look around you. Do you see everybody else being quiet and sitting still? Do you see anybody else, you know, standing on their chair? If that happens to be the thing they're doing. And do you see anyone else, you know, dropping whatever all over the place? And another thing that we found pretty early on is a lot of people 
please, if this is your method to keep your kids quiet, continue doing it. But for us, it was best not to take a bunch of different toys and distractions for the child. But we found that they learned to be quiet and sit still and be respectful sooner the more they, the sooner they were aware of what was going on around them, instead of being distracted by books and toys and coloring pages and snacks and <laughs> that kind of thing. We just found what worked best for us was to make them aware of what everyone else was doing. So again, that awareness was a huge part of our um, training for them. That almost reminds me of the one obnoxious guy on your airplane who's wearing headphones and is like laughing <laughs> 10 times louder than he should, right? Because he's so hyper-focused on this hilarious scene in his movie. Yeah. He's not aware of just how loud he is and how he's affecting everyone around yeah. him. I've totally seen that in kids, that if they are given a coloring book or something, they're just scribbling away, singing a song. And, you know, as soon as you take it away, they stop and go, oh, no one else is singing. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit more aware, but Sometimes it's the only thing that'll that'll work. So obviously right. no criticism there, but I've totally seen that before for sure. All right, right. Yeah, and then we also definitely use, you know, talk to them ahead of time. Okay, we're going to go to this place. We're going to be there an hour. We're going to be quiet and sit still. And then when we leave, if you do a good job, I'm going to reward you. And if you don't do it the way that I'm expecting, then we're going to have to have consequences. No rewards and maybe, you know, something special that you were expecting isn't going to happen. Um, and, and be you know, be their support person. Hey, if you need something while we're there, like, especially, you know, a young child potty training, if you need to go to the bathroom, mm -hmm. just whisper it in my ear. I'm definitely going to help you do that, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And then one, one more thing I really like to do is reward them verbally in the situation when they're doing, when they're behaving the way that I want them to be behaving. So um, if they're doing a really good job and they happen to be, you know, listening or not fidgeting or being quiet, then I'll lean over and I'll say, thank you for being quiet and sitting still that's really helping me be able to listen like just a little verbal pat on the back right there in the situation to help them yeah I love that for sure okay and then finally I wanted to say to not expect perfection right I think as parents we can kind of generally all agree that we don't expect perfection ever but sometimes we think oh well we told them what to expect and they were still total monsters you know for example we didn't do in-person church services for about a year during COVID and when we went back I was like oh boy here we go right and surprisingly they did pretty well and then what was interesting was a couple weeks in they were like oh we're back for good and this is hard and then they started getting more rowdy. And I remember thinking, no, no, you were doing so well. So, you know, just be prepared for those things to happen. You know, something is out of the ordinary or the schedule is a little bit different. And then all of a sudden they're crazy again. So just keep working with them. Um, like I said, my kids still struggle and we've been doing this since the dawn of time, since before we had children, we've been going to church every week. <laughs> except for COVID. Um, and, and this is just something they're going to work on their entire lives. And you know what? My 17 year old is great at it, <laughs> but at three, he was awful. And he learned <laughs> little by little he learned. And, and occasionally still he'll sit by his brother and whisper a little bit and I'll give him an eye, you know, I'll do the side eye and they'll quiet down, you know, <laughs> and we're the same way. We're the same way. We get distracted and, and want to talk to somebody. Um, but consistency is key. If you do not give them regular opportunities to practice this, be aware that it will be more difficult. So it might be nice to just have a practice session. Let's say you don't go to church every week or you don't have an opportunity for kids to sit and be quiet regularly. I would recommend doing a practice session. So when you do have that, so all of a sudden you plan a trip and your kid has to sit on an airplane for three hours oh, and he's going yeah. crazy. Like that's something you're going to want to work up towards, right? So this can always come in handy using this practice to sit and be still. 
remember that each age and phase of life will bring different difficulties, right? Like you mentioned potty training. The three-year-old is going to struggle to sit still for an hour. He's going to be up four times trying to go potty. Um, the seven-year-old might just always be distracted by her little friends down, down the pew or something. Be patient with it. Keep working with them. They will eventually learn. Yes. Yes. I remember when we first went back after COVID, after at-home meetings, and we went back to in-person meetings, I was kind of feeling like my expectations were too, like I realized my expectations were too high for my youngest. And then I was like, Mm. oh, this little guy has never actually sat in in in-person meetings before. So let's, let's start at the beginning. (laughs) He's not being naughty. He just has no clue. Yeah. This is a new thing. All right. Now let's switch and talk to about how moms, how we can incorporate more stillness into our lives. Do we even have to tell you the benefits? (laughs) Uh, But this helps us remember who we are independent from our kids. Just, you know, mom, 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 mom. So who we are and and the value in that. And, and it gives us time to develop our own talents and abilities. You know, it's all the same benefits that, that it is for the kids, the ability to sit still, the ability to be respectful, the ability to be aware of life around yourself can all be enhanced by quiet time as an adult as well. Yeah. And I would argue that as adults, it's even more challenging, not because we're physiologically incapable of doing it, but because we are trained to be busy, right? We are told that busyness is like a badge of honor, that to sit around and do nothing is a scathing indictment. She just sits around and does nothing. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, actually, it's okay. We're supposed to sit around and do nothing sometimes. That's how we come back to ourselves. That's how we process our emotions. That's how we learn to be still. Um, but it is not not really seen, looked upon highly for the most part. We want to be busy all the time. Um, But learning how to be still can help us learn to contribute to society. It can help us get in touch with our own purpose, our, our big mission in life. We can feel more connected to our children when we return from having some stillness. Like I'm, I'm, I'm talking about when we have to separate our kids self from our kids to find stillness. Cause generally that's what I have to do. Even if it just means the bathroom, <laughs> but when I come back, all of a sudden I'm fun mom again, I'm excited. I'm happy to be there. Let's read some books. Let's go play outside, whatever, because I have been able to take care of my own mental and emotional needs. Um, and then I'm t- teaching them stillness by example. I'm teaching them that when I get overwhelmed, so my husband's been out of town this week. And so I've had lots of opportunities to practice, uh, coming back from the edge. Right. And a lot of the time I do that by separating myself. I say, Oh, everybody's going a little bit crazy. I'll be right back. And so I just leave. Um, the trick is to do that before I start yelling. (laughs) But when I do that, then I come back and go, Oh, thanks for letting me have a break guys. I, my emotions were getting a little out of control. I needed to go calm myself down and I'm back. And then they learn they can do the exact same thing. Right. This is how we also strengthen our knowledge and our relationship with God. How do you learn about this higher being if you're never still and quiet, if you're never listening, right? Um, We process our emotions, like you mentioned, and um, just are better able to deal with all the strains of life that are coming at us all the time. Yes. Yes. Those, the, those are such good points and such good benefits. All right. So how, how do we do this as moms? We're busy. We're always having somebody touching us. How do we, how do we get quiet? How do we find quiet time? Um, you just have to use everyday opportunities. You have to make it important, prioritize it, work it in. Um, 
So I know that I've shared in past podcasts and there's, I think, definitely um, benefit sharing it here is that I start every day in prayer and meditation and I have to for my, for my own sanity. And my kids are trained that if mommy is praying, if mommy's reading her Bible, I'm unavailable. It's like as if I'm not even in the room. And mm-hmm. if they, you know, if they interrupt, if they touch, I just don't respond. It's, it's my prayer time. It's my quiet time. And they'll go wander off and find, you know, something else to do and but but Go that time has to more. be yeah. I know that par- that time has to be sacred to me um, because it's like the most important part of my day and determines how my day goes really so it's like setting up myself for failure or success by starting my day like that um you can shower <laughs> you can take a nice long shower um you know maybe when when dad's at home in the evening just go for an evening walk by yourself Um, One thing that I definitely have found a lot of benefit in is yoga. And I use the Yoga with Adrian free videos on YouTube and just um, practicing an inner stillness. (laughs) And then something else that I have learned through yoga, and also there's some other people that teach it. Um, Wim Hof is a a specific um, practice practitioner of this, is a breathing practice. So I I started this... um, my husband was kind of studying it and into it and he's like, you really need to look into this. And maybe just him suggesting it made me aware of how often I'm breathing really, really shallowly <laughs> and like just need to stop and take a deep breath. And then I started like um, learning some more of these tools like box breathing and um, just breathing, ocean breathing and just different things that just um, uh, using your breath to bring calmness and stillness is like, you know, it's one thing you're always in control of, your own breath. Nobody really ever controls that for you. That's you. And so that's one way that no matter what's what else is going on, how loud the decibels are getting, you can control your breathing. And yeah, and you should. Yeah. And what's one of the first things we tell to our kids that get completely out of control, right? They're either wild and screaming or they're fighting or whatever, crying. We tell them, take a breath, take a breath. The first thing you do is to Breathe in, breathe out. And all of a sudden it, it centers you a little bit and it makes you stop and look around. You know, you've been crying, you've been railing and ranting. This happens to me as well. I lose control and I just think, nope, just breathe. Breathe through this moment and then you can step back a little bit. Oh, look. And maybe it's because, you know, those shallow breaths mean that you're depriving your brain of some oxygen. You can't really think straight. Get some more oxygen going, right? Okay, so a few other ideas for finding your own time for stillness. Um, if you can't get separated from your kids, um, take them to a park, let them play in nature, let them enjoy, um, the playground or running around in the grass while you do your meditating in nature. You can just go to the other side of the park and just take some deep breaths, read a book, whatever it takes to find some stillness. Um, get up early. Like Audrey mentioned before your kids, if possible, stay up later, which I think is less ideal because your brain starts to kind of deteriorate late at night. But sometimes it's the only thing you can do when you have a lot of little ones and they, beat the rooster up. <laughs> it might just be, you know, 8, 8 p.m. is your time. And, and that's great too. Um, but you can do quiet time with your children. We mentioned instilling a habit of regular quiet time during the day. Like this was the, this was my saving grace when my oldest drop dropped his nap. When he stopped taking a nap during the day, I almost had a panic attack. I thought, what am I going to do now? He's going to be awake in here all the time. And then we decided to homeschool and I'm like, I'll never be alone again. So quiet time 
um, we started using not as a punishment, but just as a natural course of life. Now it's time for everyone to be quiet. Um, mom needs it. You need it. We're all going to go to separate places in the house and, and take a breather. Um, like I mentioned before, this timeout can be used as a very awesome tool for kids to calm themselves as long as it's not used as a punishment. And, and if you've chosen this as a consequence, that's okay too, but I would challenge you to look at it in a different way. If you can use it as a positive motivator to get them to a, a, a better place emotionally, then you can probably use it more without them thinking that they're getting in trouble all the time. Right. Cause there's really, there's nothing wrong with separating yourself and calming yourself down. It's actually a great, a great tool. When they do this, they're able to sit with their emotions, um, gain greater physical control of themselves because when little kids lose it, they just, they're, you know, physically all over the place. Um, but if it's forced, there's going to be some pushback there. So that's why I just suggest making it a positive experience. So thinking about it, you know, I'm not making time out a negative thing for them. Um, and thinking about how, you know, us as adults, we're trying to apply this to us as moms. So how do we make us having time out a positive thing for the kids? Like us putting ourselves in a quiet time. Um, like it's not a punishment for them when we go have our quiet time. It's how do we make it a benefit for everybody? So maybe hey, you guys can listen to this audiobook while I go do my yoga and save save something special for during that time. Um, I mentioned how um, one tool I use when I'm sewing to get extra time sewing is um, I have tools that toys that my kids are only allowed to pull out and play with when I'm sewing. And so they really look forward to me going to sew because then they get to play with these couple little toys that I have that they only get when I'm sewing. (laughs) And so like, it's a reward for them as well. If mommy's getting quiet time, if mommy's getting filled up, then they're getting, so just thinking about it not being a punishment for them when we go have our quiet time too. Yes, totally. And then they look forward to it. Yeah, mom, go do your thing. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, don't you need to go uh, sew or do yoga right now? (laughs) Yeah, totally. So finally, we just want to share with you guys that if there's something lacking in your life, if you're feeling kind of ungrounded, a little bit scatterbrained, this could be the missing key, honestly, a little bit more quiet and stillness in your life and in the lives of your children. And don't get overwhelmed by all the suggestions we've given you, but maybe just pick one thing you want to work on with your kids. Maybe it's that you've been coming home from church on Sunday going crazy because they're such little psychos. So you're going to work on practicing every day, you know, a a little bit of quiet time, or maybe you're the one that needs some separation from your kids. So you're going to make a plan with your husband or decide to create a quiet time for them in the afternoon. And that's when you go do something just for you. Um, but yeah, just pick one thing and work on that. See how it goes. Yes. And I had a thought here. Um, so think about, so if you're in the camp where I've often been, where I say, I just don't have time to add in quiet time. Like, where am I going to fit this in? How am I going to do this? Think about how much time modern day conveniences have given us. So we don't have to, you know, wash our clothes at the river and wring them out and hang them up on a line. And we don't have to, you know, wash our dishes by hand and, you know, fill in the blank. We have a lot more time than our ancestors did. Our the the women in our families did, you know, raising their families many many years ago. How do we fill that extra time? How have we chosen to fill that extra time? And could we um, could we find? Yes, we could. <laughs> we can. I challenge us all to find some of that extra time that our conveniences have given us. So throw a load of laundry in and go spend a little time 
being quiet while it is doing the work for you. Just just to use an example or same with the dishwasher. You know, it's not always move on to the thing that's next and the thing that is demanding our attention the loudest, but maybe it's the things that are quiet that aren't demanding our attention enough that we really, really need to go embrace those things in that time. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. I bring that up a lot when talking to friends. And I think sometimes people think I'm crazy when I say that we have so much more time now than our ancestors do, but it really is true. We've just chosen to fill it with a lot of things. We've chosen to fill it with television and social media and internet scrolling and, and, and good things too. time with friends or, um, maybe you work, whatever. Um, but is it always very purposefully done? Right. And is it, are you including the things that are essential for your mental, spiritual, emotional health, or is it just things that you feel like you should be doing or just want to do? Sometimes being still is not the funnest thing to choose, right? Sometimes you want to just veg out in front of the television, but your sanity needs that stillness and that reconnection with God, with nature, whatever it is that you're, you're feeling you need. So yeah. And, and another thought is like, if you ever have an emergency, right? Like a kid breaks an arm and you have to go spend the afternoon at the hospital. Somehow you manage to do that. Everything just gets dropped by the wayside, right? Because an emergency came up. Well, you're like, let's take care of ourselves before our mental health becomes an emergency, (laughs) right? Let's go, let's go require that stillness of ourselves. Um, so that we're better able to to handle the storms of life. 